0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a writer and designer from New Zealand living in New York. Welcome to the show, Laura Pitcher. Hi. How is everyone? Everyone, how are you? Answer (laughs) us. Tell us how you're (laughs) feeling. (laughs) Tell us. Don't ignore us. Um, I... Always do a deep dive on guests before I have them on. I know Laura, but I still did my creepy like internet sleuthing stalking. And I was like, okay, she's a designer. And what does she design and I saw some of your, like, I think it was like, for like a program you were in in school, like your design videos, and they're really fucking cool. You know, what's funny is
1: that you introducing me just then made me realize that I need to update my website because <laughs> I'm definitely a writer these days and I studied design. Um, so I guess that was still on the website and that's like what I trained in. But I don't even know if I would say I'm a designer anymore. I really haven't designed in so long. So wait, what did you study? <laughs> reg- like Was it like digital design? Um, Yeah, I studied graphic design in New Zealand. Okay, cool. Um, And then I thought I wanted to work uh, as a designer in in magazines, but then I interned as a designer and ended up writing. And now I just write. Like I actually haven't been on like (laughs) Illustrator or Photoshop in a long (laughs)
0: time. Do you have the applications on your computer?
1: I have them. I don't know why. They take um, up so much space. Like I don't so know much why. space. So this is a
0: reminder I need to update my website and I need to delete the Adobe Creative Suite. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, so that was like originally that was like the career path that you thought you were going to take. How did you make the shift into writing and journalism?
1: Yeah, I feel like I really just I really just studied design because in school it was the class that I maybe was best at and liked Mm -hmm. the most it wasn't like I had this big dream of being a designer I think when I went into university like many people I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do you know you're 17 18 you have no idea you're just trying to like get by being a teenager is hard so
0: it's really hard and also the fact that anyone gives teenagers like like that much like control over like what do you want to do for the rest of your life like I don't fucking know. Like, it's
1: too much. Luckily, though, in New Zealand, it isn't as
0: expensive. Well, it's free to go to university. Wait, for real? Honestly, yeah. everything I've learned about New Zealand, I'm like, should I move there? <laughs> Is, like, why are you here? Like, what? Why would you I come know. to America? <laughs> America sucks.
1: People ask me that. Um, and I often ask myself that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand's so great, though, but uh, for writing... Uh, there's just not as many opportunities. I felt like I'd really worked at every place that I'd wanted to work. Um, But in terms of like being 18 and deciding what you want to do, I think just knowing that like you're not going to be in debt probably for the rest of your life if you do go study something that then you don't decide to use is such a privilege. Like I'm like, I'm so thankful that I got this design degree that
0: didn't bankrupt me,
1: you know, because I actually don't use it anymore.
0: And I feel like, yeah, that would put so much pressure on you to be like, well, I should just continue doing this because I'm like in debt or whatever the case may be. But like to have that freedom to be like, oh, I can study this. I can get an education, gain knowledge. And like, if I choose to use it, great. But if not, well, that was awesome. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's still, you still learn, you still gained that education, but like you just decided to do something else and it's like oh I'm not paying off student loans for the rest of my life as a reminder of this decision I made when I was a teenager
1: yeah I think I realized like two or three years into my degree that like day-to-day being a graphic designer was not what I wanted to do um and then you just kind of have to write out the degree because it was four years yeah and two years in I was already writing for like a lot of different publications and I knew that I wanted to just be a writer
0: um but I had to just finish it up you know (laughs) You're like, listen, I started this shit, let's just let's just do it. At that point, yeah. like, you might as well, but I saw that again with my creepy internet stalking that you got a master's degree, I believe in the UK.
1: Oh, yeah. So then once I finished my design degree that I never use, I was like, okay, let me actually get something in journalism because that's okay. what I want to do. Um, so then I did my master's in journalism. But again, I don't really use that either. So <laughs> what
0: do you mean? What do you I, mean feel like, I feel like
1: university is a bit of a scam because no one, apart from this conversation, I'm like, I've kind of even forgotten that I studied anything.
0: No, to be fair, though, <laughs> I listen, if, if you want to go to school and you want to get an education, you should should Mm -hmm. definitely do it but I feel as though and I've said this a million times like I feel like I learned more in high school than I did in college grad school anything because it was I don't know I'm like I already know kind of like the general gist of things and I think unless you're like going into medicine or like engineering Mm -hmm. like I did like psychology mental health counseling and it was like that's so cool though it was cool but it's also like Ah, uh, my parents paid for it. So then I felt mm-hmm. bad because like they were mm-hmm. paying for it. And I was like, fuck, like they have spent so much money, like college is really expensive. And like, but yeah, I don't know that I'm using any of that. Like I did um, British system high school. So like my A levels and O levels, I feel like I gained more information and knowledge from that than in American college. So maybe it just, yeah, the American schooling system is just trash.
1: It sounds like it. Honestly, I can't weigh in on it because I'm I'm like, I didn't go here. But <laughs> from I, like what it I sounds thank God like, <laughs>
0: did not go here.
1: Yeah, from what it sounds like, clearly just very broken. And people get very weird about what school everyone went to here. I feel like when I first moved here, that was something I noticed.
0: Yeah, I there's was like here. this certain like, kind of like prestige that's like associated with like oh you went to this school like oh you you must be like really smart or like oh you went to this school like that's a party school and that's the other thing like why the fuck are there so many universities that are like oh that's a good party school like what is a party Mm. school schools should not be like synonymous with parties (laughs) like that feels incorrect for the amount of money you're spending to party like go to just go party yeah that's weird I like, don't get
1: it. But I used to watch all on the TV shows. I used mm-hmm. to watch the college experience. But it's quite different in New Zealand. <laughs> it's
0: I'm quite like, different. I, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I went to school here and I definitely did not participate in the partying element. Mm-hmm. So it was a different experience for me. But I'm like, I, I've, I too have seen these videos and I'm like, <laughs> who, where the fuck is this happening? Who are these people? Where are they doing these things? And like, yeah, it's very... Um, It's very peculiar in general American culture. I I find that like the older I get, I'm like, it's very strange. And like, I do always find it interesting, though, when people like decide to move from someone else somewhere else to like the U.S. How old were you when you moved here?
1: Yeah, so I hadn't even been to New York when I moved here. Um, So everything I'd seen really had just been (laughs) from like gossip (laughs) girls.
0: A, a, like, a, a accurate, 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 just super accurate, correct, great, amazing reflection. I, think I was 22. I would have been like
1: 22. So it was just after I finished all my studies. um I came over and I had never been to New York. I think I'd been traveling to some places with my family. I'd been to like Vegas and stuff and like the Grand Canyon. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, it's one of those things where I look back and you know, when you see your younger self and you're like, why did I have that much like go in me? Like I can't relate (laughs) to her now, (laughs) you know, like I'm like, I can't, it it was actually one of those things that I don't even know why I moved to a place that I'd never been. Um, I was just kind of interested and it seemed like it was good for writing and luckily it worked out, but I feel like, (laughs) I feel like in New Zealand and honestly, a lot of places in the world, we get bombarded with so much like American television Yes, that we're told that this is like the peak of culture. And I do love New York, but like since moving here, I've really like come to peace with the fact that like you don't, I really felt like if I ended up in New Zealand, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be a part of it all. Yeah, And now I'm choosing to be here, but I'm like, actually there's so many interesting things happening in so many different countries around yeah. the world. you don't have to be here
0: no america does a great job of like just spreading honestly propaganda that like this is the best and like this is where everything is happening and if you're not here you're like missing out on like this experience which is like you cannot find this anywhere else and i think new york is special I will say that, but the rest of America, like I I could take it or leave it.
1: I know. I actually love New York so much, um, but I don't think there's anywhere else
0: in America that I would live. No, like (laughs) legitimately, I'm like, if my parents didn't live in Florida, I would probably never even step foot in Florida, just in general. Like I would probably avoid it with all of my being, which also confuses me because people love Miami. And I'm like, why? I love
1: Miami, ironically. (laughs) Like Miami is a a fun place to go and just wear like slutty little outfits and just drink by the pool, have some fries. You're going to spend like $20 on some sushi. Yeah. But if you can accept that and just lean into it, you can have a good two, three days.
0: That's true. Two two to three days. I feel like, (laughs) yeah, that's like the max. But like to actually reside there, I'm like... Why do you hate yourself? Like do you just love sitting in traffic for no reason? Like is that something that you enjoy? Um but no, I I was like looking up facts about New Zealand. <laughs> oh my god, I want to hear them. <laughs> okay, there are more sheep in New Zealand than people? Yeah. That's the real one thing. I
1: already knew. I but think like, it sounds about right.
0: I thought that that was I feel like I found or I heard that for the first time like in a cartoon something so I assumed I was like oh it's not real but like it is real
1: I think so I think it's something that I heard a lot when I was there and I believe it there's a lot of sheep and then what are they doing
0: (laughs) where are they like are they just roaming in the streets (laughs) like stray cats no, <laughs> like no. where are the sheep?
1: They're not roaming. They're like on farms and stuff. It's all okay. regular. It's okay. All, okay. It's, like
0: regular sheep behavior. Okay. So they're not like Maryland. you're not like at you know a grocery store and you step outside and there's like a sheep just like hanging out there. That's not, at not all. happening.
1: You might see some sheep on the back of like a truck. Okay. That because, feels like the
0: right place for a sheep to be. Because they're
1: probably going somewhere. Yeah. You know? we- go. <laughs> yeah, sheep have places to go.
0: Sheep have places <laughs> to go. Earl of sheep is sheep noir. They uh, have a lot on. They're, they're booked and busy. Yeah, but like it was a lot of sheep facts. And then there was also like anywhere you live in New Zealand, like you're basically close to like some body of water. Like there's just, yeah. you're by the water no matter where you are. Is that... Accurate. Yeah,
1: cuz I mean it's an island, well, it's two islands, so Yeah.
0: It's Let, you can definitely drive across pretty easily. But I also read that it's like one of the most culturally diverse places.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I <don't know>. You're <laughs> like, <laughs> I think just like cuz obviously growing up in New Zealand and now living in New York, I don't know what website was saying that like New Zealand is a very white country, yeah, um I wouldn't say it's that
0: I would think it's one of the most culturally diverse places to live. I don't know that it was a reputable source that I was gathering the information <laughs> so from. Funny. I literally googled like facts about new zealand and like mm-hmm. the first five google searches i was like what the fuck is this and i was like clicking through and i was like first i was throwing the sheep thing i was like what the fuck i need more information on this but then it was like yeah new zealand is one of the most culturally diverse places and i'm like listen i've never been there but from what i have heard i don't know that that's true
1: yeah i'm not sure what website this is but they're on the money about the sheep for sure <laughs> <laughs> you're so like so far the sheep thing the sheep, the thing, is sheep real. thing
0: sounds about right yeah and um, apparently the kiwi is not native to New Zealand. That was one piece of information that I was like, that's fucked up. Wait, kiwi fruit or the bird? No, the fruit.
1: Oh. The bird... Because I was going to yes. say the
0: bird is definitely... The bird is. Mm-hmm. And also the bird doesn't fly. That's true as well. I'm That's, here to- <laughs> that's <laughs> fucked up. That, I literally was like, w- this poor bird. Like You have everything that looks like you would need to fly, take flight, and yet you can't. But yeah, apparently kiwis were imported from japan i might be making that up but they were imported oh, you're from actually somewhere. teaching me stuff about new zealand that this I is actually know. now just a lesson on new zealand by me based off of <laughs> the top five google searches on new zealand and it's just me
1: going wow i didn't know that and like really showing me up because <laughs> i grew up there but i'm actually not from there wait where so, are you from so i don't have like new zealand parents i was born in england so I moved over when I was quite young. Okay. Um but I grew up I grew up there. But yeah, my family are still there, but I was born like an hour out of London.
0: So what do you identify as? Like are you like, oh, I'm a Kiwi, or are you like, no, I'm British?
1: I'm definitely a New Zealander, I think. Like I love London and I like have lived there for a little bit. I lived there for a year. Um, but I don't think any of my British friends would consider me British. Like <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I mean, I spent most of my time in New Zealand and I grew up there. Um, but now at this point it's been like coming up for six years that I've been away from it. Yeah, um,
0: mm-hmm. And you were just there recently, like over the holidays.
1: Yeah, I was, I, I went back for like the first time since like COVID hit. Wow. Cause it was like closed yeah. off. Um, so I went back for like two weeks. Um, But yeah, it's one of those things where I've been away from there for quite a while as well. So even when I go back to New Zealand, I have friends that roast me for sounding American, even though I don't even think I do.
0: But I think it's so funny because I have friends who I I know Australians and people from different, different accents. But like, it's like a common thing where they're like, Oh, like, when I talk to people from back home, they're like, you sound so American. And I have some friends where I'm like, I can hear it. But like, I can't hear it with you. Like, you don't like luckily for you, don't sound American. <laughs> no, I don't think I do at all, but it's interesting because
1: I I think it was on the plane ride back. I said something about the flight attendant asked me if I was where I was going. I said going back to New York, and then she said something like, "Oh yeah, I knew you went from New Zealand. You you
0: sound American." So I mean, now people don't even think I'm from New Zealand. Like would, I'm like I would fight her. I would <laughs> fight her immediately. I would be like, "Bitch, what do you mean? How, can you not hear me? Like with your ears?" Like I know. So I'm definitely a New Zealander, but New York feels like home now
1: at this point.
0: I mean, yeah. You, so you've lived here for you said six years, right? Yeah, it's been like five
1: a year in London, but like five here. Um, and so when I say like, "Oh, I'm going home," in my head, it's New York.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, then, like, I mean, I also think, like, living in any place for, like, over a year, like, you're gonna feel like, oh, I, that's where I'm from. That's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I um, I was reading a piece. First of all, I love your writing, like, so much because, like, I feel like you insert so much, like, scientific research, like, throughout it like in ways that like you wouldn't expect and i'm like that's fucking cool but you wrote a piece on like intuition and insecurity and this is mm-hmm. a conversation that i have like on a daily basis with someone like i talk about this in an annoying way because i have a lot of thoughts on it and i read the piece and i was like this is resonates with me so much especially like you you kind of opened the piece off by talking about like having a dream about a guy cheating on you Mm -hmm. asking him about it him gaslighting you and then (laughs) lo and behold you found out it was true that happened to me like exactly happened to me this like legitimately I was like what the actual fuck do we all just have are no experiences unique like do we all just have the same experience
1: I know it's one of those things so that was a while ago and I had a dream and it was so vivid. I remember it. And he really reassured me that like, oh my God, it's just a dream. And so you just think like, oh, it's just a dream. Like I'm being silly. Especially when you have a guy telling you that you're being silly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Um, it's a dream. Like dreams aren't real. Like. I know it's one of those things. But then I was thinking about it. And like part of the reason I wrote the piece is now I'm in a new relationship and he's great. But it's like one of those things where if I have a dream now or a thought, is that meant to be, something I interpret as like facts because there's also times that I've been off and my dreams have just had nothing to do with anything.
0: Um, the the one thing I will say as someone who also had a dream that their ex was cheating on them and I found out it was correct was I, I remember waking up and like Normally, I feel like if I have a dream, like I woke up feeling like it was so real, like I felt it like Mm -hmm. in a weird way that like I can't even like really articulate like it just felt like I found out like factual information. And when Mm. I told him that I had the dream, it's not like I was like, fuck you. I was just like, oh, my God, I had this really crazy dream. And his reaction is what kind of made me think, wait, maybe there is something to this because he got really defensive and kind of mad. Mm -hmm. And I was like what a strange reaction to me just, like, telling you I had a dream. Like, because when you tell someone you have a dream and it's, like, something, like, obscure and ridiculous, like, usually the person is not going to get angry. Like, they might just be like, oh, that's so funny or that's so weird. But, like, his reaction was, like, defensive and angry and almost, like, upset at me for having – I'm like, I can't control my dreams, like, you fucking weirdo. But – I mean, yeah, he he was, in fact, cheating on me, and I... How long was it for
1: you until you found out?
0: It must have been, like, a month or two later. Like, legitimately, like, I found out, like, one to two months later. Like, it was not that long. And I did feel vindicated, and I feel like that was when I started thinking a lot about, like, intuition and, like, gut Mm -hmm. feelings and almost, like, feeling in a way that it's a betrayal to yourself to not at least stop to think if that gut feeling means something. Do you know what I mean? Because like a lot of times like, and in the piece you talk about like how like anxiety like can elicit similar feelings to like a gut feeling or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is true. And I am an anxious person, so it can be confusing, but like I think the more I like trust in it, not in the way that I'm like every feeling I have, I'm going to like act on it, but like it feels different. Like, and every single time I've doubted it, I've been like, oh wait, I was fucking right. Why did I doubt myself? And like, it's so important to me, like currently that I'm like, I need to like, trust that feeling and like go with it in order to like strengthen it and then literally you're saying that in the article and I was like holy shit like I just (laughs) I was just talking about this on Patreon like five days ago so I was like this is kind of wild but like that's truly how I feel I'm like if you trust in yourself like that feeling that intuitive feeling becomes stronger and clearer and it makes it I think easier to decipher oh like I feel this for some reason versus like I'm having anxiety, you know?
1: Yeah, because like even for both of our dreams, they might've seemed out of the blue, but probably came from like us picking up really subtle things and changes that was happening, like, you know, like that were happening with our partners. Um, I'm glad you found out months later. Yeah, for me, it was years. Wait, really? Yeah, I found out two
0: years later that I was right. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, did you feel vindicated at least? (laughs) It's something I don't want to be right about. Um, I'm just an (laughs) asshole and I just like to be right so much. Even if I'm miserable, I'm like, well, at least I was right. Um,
1: I don't know what I felt. I feel like honestly being part of the reason I wrote the piece is just like being in a new relationship after being cheated on. I feel like it's something that's so interesting to navigate because you really don't want to bring that and put that on someone else. But at the same time, especially like this was a five-year relationship in those five years, I obviously learned how to pick up on very subtle cues and red flags and this, and you don't want to miss them again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like you- you're, you're like, you're look in a way. I feel like you're kind of like looking for them. And I feel like, yeah, you're a little traumatized. So like that's yeah. a normal thing. Cause you want to protect yourself. And it's like, in like, again, coming back to like that, like intuitive feeling, like your body is now like, this has happened before you need to make sure it doesn't happen again type of thing.
1: Yeah. And I think the only thing that you can hope for is and ask for is like at the end of the day, now you're with your new partner, even if you have a dream and even if it hasn't happened, they don't get defensive. They're patient with you. They're reassuring. And like, you know, like, I, and that's what I have at this point. Um, but I think going into it, it really freaked me out because I was trying when you try and, like, catch things out, it's almost like uh, being an investigative reporter (laughs) in your relationship. Yeah, and you don't want that. That's But you don't want to be that. And also, like, just because one person did it doesn't mean another person's going to. And so at the end of the day, the conclusion I've come to is, like, I feel at this point I'm the same, where I'm quite able to differentiate, like, insecurity and, like, a gut feeling. Um, But at the same time, I just know that love is like taking a risk and I think it's worth it. So I'm like, I'll just take this risk and you can't really do anything. Like even if you stay up all night after having a dream that someone's cheating on you,
0: if, if they did it, you're probably going to find out anyway. So just, I could not agree more because even after that, like I, I very consciously made an effort to not, kind of assume that and mind you that wasn't even the first time I had found out that I had been cheated on like I that was first time for that relationship but like I've been cheated on quite a bit apparently it's Mm -hmm. very fun to cheat on me but I'm like why am I going to like allow these people's behavior to like control my behavior because I that's something that's fully up to me and it's like no matter how much I decide to, like, be a little fucking detective and, you know, look for things, like, mm-hmm. if it's happening, first of all, there's nothing I can really do about that. But also, like, I do really believe, like, you – that information will come to you somehow. Like, yeah. you don't need to seek it out. Like, in any situation that I've been cheated on, it's never been me, like, digging around to find out. Like, it's just truly fallen in my fucking lap. Like, for sure.
1: And if it doesn't and they take that to their grave, like – That sounds like a them problem. Like, I don't know. That doesn't really sound like my problem. Like, I'm at a point where after that relationship, I was like, there's no one else. Like, loving someone is always going to come with a risk, but I can't get to a place where I stay up all night thinking about this or I'm anxious about this, anxious about that. Because, like, we've all been in that place where you're convinced something's happening and you're going through their Instagram followers Mm -hmm. or, like,
0: Start it's not spiraling.
1: A good place. It's not a good place to be in.
0: And you find like any little crumb, and you like sit there and like fixate on it, and try to like hypothesize what it could mean. And like now you're like fucking deciphering like emojis, and you're like, why am I doing this?
1: Yeah, and then you have a partner who's like, you have a problem with insecurity. But uh, the reality is, is we were on the money. um It's true. And we just need to be with partners who, like, don't make us feel like we have to be, like, on the lookout at all times.
0: Was there anything that you did or, like, did you, like, say, okay, I'm going to take time or just to, to leave that kind of relationship and deal with it and move into, like, a newer relationship?
1: Yeah, I mean, I took three years of – I was – I wasn't, like, dating anyone seriously for three years. I would go on dates and I had like a couple of like situationships because it's New York. Yeah. Um, which were hell, but I actually really liked that I took those three years because I think even before that five year relationship, I was in a relationship in high school. Mm -hmm. And so I just hadn't been single and I felt like I hadn't like gotten to know myself outside of a relationship well enough. And I think the more you kind of know yourself, the easier it is for you to advocate for yourself and like what you actually want. And I just hadn't even taken that time. So that's what I did in those three years. There was no like magical formula. It was just like me just figuring out what I actually wanted and what I didn't want.
0: Like everything you're saying, I'm like, I could not fucking agree more like sincerely because that's kind of exactly what I did. I was like, I, I, want to be alone. I want Mm -hmm. to take this time to like, get to know myself, to trust, to build that trust in yourself. Cause I think something that happens when you have been cheated on is you start to kind of doubt yourself. Like, and like, you're like, am I dumb? Like, how did I not notice this or whatever? Like, uh, that's how I felt. Like I was kind Mm -hmm. of like, how did I not know? And how was I not more aware? And like, it made me doubt myself and so i was like well i need to work on rebuilding trust within myself and also Mm -hmm. kind of take that time to just prioritize myself because i think and we spoke about this one time we were in an uber in times square i don't (laughs) remember where we were going but we We were going to an event that we didn't even end
1: up going into because it didn't look good (laughs)
0: yeah exactly and we were kind of talking about um Asking people to do things and like that kind of like almost like hyper independence, mm-hmm. and I think that's like one thing that I I very much like became like extreme in the sense of was like I don't want to rely on anyone. Not that yeah. all people are bad, but like I don't want to find myself in a situation like this. So I just decided to like go fucking extreme with it and like be like, well, I'm just going to be like hyper independent and I'm gonna. I don't want to ask people for things, and then it got to the point where like. I'm super uncomfortable asking people for things, and I have to like force myself to do it because I don't want to rely on anyone.
1: I know i the thing is, though, is I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for that because I do think that's an important part of some people's like healing after relationships. I think to get very independent and go like completely on the other direction, especially if you're someone who was in like quite a codependent mm-hmm. relationship. Or someone who, like, I think I put way too much emphasis on my ex in my life. Like, I just, like, he was just too high up on everything. Everything yeah. else could, I just, I don't know. I kind of didn't prioritize myself at all. Um, and so I definitely had that moment, too, where I was hyper-independent. But now, being in a new relationship, well, I say new. is like, coming up for a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it still feels new because you're single for three years. And you're telling yourself, the only people that I could rely on were my friends. Mm -hmm. And this idea of relying on or trusting a man was just one of those things that it just wasn't sitting very comfortably with me (laughs) after these relationships I'd been in. So it was honestly a very difficult process to get to the point now (laughs) where I can even ask him for things or like rely on him for things but and like we've had so many conversations where he's literally like you know I'm your boyfriend and like you (laughs) could have just come to me and asked whether it's like helping flip over my mattress or whether it's like I wanted to come to your house last night but you didn't ask me to come over Mm -hmm. and so I didn't come over Mm -hmm. and he's like you know you can just come over like you have a key
0: (laughs) and I'm like what you need to invite me you're like yeah "Yeah, I'm a vampire you need to verbally uh invite me into your home I'm like you
1: really just need to invite me and it's the thing with me as well is you don't even need to just invite me I have to feel like you really want it otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm not coming and I feel like I don't know where that come from but I think in the beginning that I was pushing back a lot because I was really like scared and it was breaking down those walls that i put up when i was single but i think if you have the right partner because like honestly especially in new york like the dating scene is uh disturbing.
0: very <laughs> very pretty, disturbing it's pretty bleak it's pretty um upsetting everyone has dated everyone also everyone knows everyone like you meet someone you're like oh this person seems like a nice person and then mm-hmm. you talk to literally one person they're like let me fucking tell you and then you mm-hmm. find out all types of thing and you're like those are, like, objectively terrible things, like. Yeah, so in, in New York, and just kind of more general, I think
1: you can kind of assume that two people will be coming together uh, the initial stages of dating, and they'll, they'll come with this, like, front of independence, because that's what society tells us is, yes. like, something we should aspire to these You don't days. want to seem needy or clingy or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't build a relationship on just like trying to win and like not tell each other things.
0: So eventually you need to like, (laughs) you need to trust each other with things. But I feel like honestly, like obviously to a certain degree, right. I think it is kind of important to have a little bit of like doubts early on, because I feel like Mm -hmm. it puts the partner in the position where they have to like provide you with that kind of, Comfort or confidence in the relationship that I think is necessary and like thinking back on other relationships where I very much just gone into it and like trusted everything this person said Mm -hmm. and and immediately felt like I can ask them for things whatever like I think men sometimes take that as like you need me and it fucks them up a little like it it turns them into maybe even a person that they might not be where they feel so like in control that they kind of you know men men in control it's it's a bad combination historically
1: (laughs) it isn't good um yeah I feel like I've written about codependency a little bit and like the demonization of codependency Mm -hmm. specifically in like modern dating And I think there's been a few experts. The word interdependence has really sat with me as like a good takeaway because it's not that we shouldn't depend on anyone. It's just that like depending on a partner for absolutely everything in your life is going to be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to depend on my boyfriend for some things, but it doesn't mean that now that I'm in a relationship, I'm going to stop depending on and like investing in my friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it can become a lot healthier because then you're two people and you're helping each other out, but you have a community around you. Everyone's helping each other out, and it's not just like these two people who like have to do everything for each other because no one else will do anything for them because they've cut themselves off from the world.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I definitely have been guilty of doing that. I think that happens quite a bit where people, you know, they're in a relationship, they become so like engulfed in it and they allowed this person to be their whole world, their everything. Mm -hmm. And that amount of pressure on anyone is like, you're going to be disappointed. Like it's too much.
1: I think it's something that a lot of us have done, but it's also something like, I think at a point in time I've probably done that too, but it's also something that I'm at a point in my life where when my friends do that to me, it hurts me so much. Like so much, there's maybe nothing more painful for me than a friend that I love so much just disappearing.
0: Yeah, it's because it's, it's sad. And it's like, you have this relationship, this friendship, and this person is in your life. And you're, you know, I think with friendships, it's like you have friends who are like, Oh, this person I can go to for everything, or I can go to this person for this or that. And like, again, you kind of like, you do rely on them in a certain way, not in the way that they're responsible for like managing your emotions, but like, oh, this is like my friend, this is my person and they're Mm -hmm. going to be there. And then, you know, feeling like, oh, like they met this random man and now where the fuck are they? And it's like, really? I know. And I feel like, I
1: feel like as girls, we need to realize that I don't think men do this as often as we do it. Uh, And it's really sad because I, I feel like men get into relationships and they'll still go drinking with the boys or they'll do that. They'll go skating, all of that. But I feel like sometimes as women, it's this narrative of like, we have our girlfriends until we meet the right person. And then we're no longer going out and we're no longer doing this because like... We've met the right person,
0: <laughs> and it's it's a hundred percent like the like societal kind of norms that are pushed onto us. That like yeah, a, you're a woman, and your goal is to find a husband, and yeah. everything else in between is just like you know, essentially, you're you're just surviving until you find that man because how you'll die, you know? Like, yeah, and
1: then your friends just become people that you see every
0: now and then. But I'm
1: just like, we need to we need to really. Pull ourselves together and, and, like, remember that, like, yes, we could stay in with them every single night. But, like, no, actually, that's not even healthy for our relationship to mm-hmm. do that. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's really hard. It's, it's not, like, it's all our fault. It's kind of how we've been conditioned. Yes,
0: definitely. So There's a lot things. of conditioning happening.
1: Yeah, but it's, I think it's something that, for me, going from being single for three years to being in a relationship, it's something that I've been so aware of where I'm just like, and every time there's a moment where I'm like, oh, I want to cancel and I just want to like stay at his house and watch movies. I'm like, no, no, Laura, like you can't let them win.
0: (laughs) You can't let them win. No, because yeah, exactly. Because it's like you lose your sense of self and like identity when you, when you make this person kind of like the number one priority and like the, the sole like comfort in your life. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you will kind of lose yourself. And I think something that, you know, I've definitely felt, and I know a lot of people have felt leaving like long relationships is like, Oh, I'm starting to feel like myself again, like mm-hmm. post breakup. It's like, I am beginning to recognize like, Oh, I am interested in these things that I have spent zero time on in the last, I don't know how many years. Like, why did I stop? I love this thing. Or yeah. I, I really enjoy this or, and you, you, you kind of aren't yourself anymore. And it's like, that's also like eventually going to catch up with you. Even if you stay with that person, they're amazing without having identity and knowing who you are and like what you enjoy. It's like, what the fuck are you doing?
1: Yeah. I think that relationship we have, well, New Zealand does. I don't know about America, but like six, eight in school. Um, But I think there needs to be like relationship classes. (laughs) That would be like great. friendships and, like, romantic relationships. Because when you actually think about the fact that a lot of us went into serious relationships when we were still teenagers, um, we had no idea what we're doing. And we have no idea how to, like, navigate and be, like, a healthy person in a relationship and, like, keep a sense of self while also, like, growing with another person. Um, I think it's only something you can learn over it's something I've learned over time and now I feel like in my relationship I really feel like myself um and I also like am very much still investing in my friendships but that hasn't always been the case and I think it would have been a lot easier if I just like learned some things
0: when I was in school (laughs) it would that would be helpful information versus like I don't know like uh algebra something that I have truly never used in my life um that would have been a useful tool to provide to me as a teenager like hey this is how you keep a sense of self and like Mm -hmm. this is how you like find out who you are and like you know you can change and you're always changing and like just knowing those things at a young age like if someone had taught it to me I feel like yeah it could have saved me I think a lot of um pain and trauma and how to look out for when something's becoming unhealthy a hundred percent and that's goes for like relationships friendships anything like i i don't know about you but like i held on to so many friendships for like a very long time because i was Mm -hmm. like I've been friends with this person for so long even though, oh, they're like kind of passive aggressive to me and oh, like I feel like they kind of hate me sometimes but like maybe I'm just crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's maybe, and again, it comes back to that like intuitive feeling or like trusting your gut because it's like, it does feel like this person's not happy for me, even though they're not outright saying that, but like something about them is making me feel that way. But maybe I'm just paranoid. Maybe I'm just anxious or whatever. And it's like, you should maybe investigate those feelings, you know?
1: Yeah. You don't have to stay friends with someone who makes you feel bad about yourself constantly. Like that's not, that's also something I've done before, but I also think, cause I think the idea of cutting our friendships is also a big conversation at the moment. And I also think what's interesting is it's something that I think we should do, but I don't always practice, is we should be having the type of conversations we have in our romantic relationships with our friends in terms of like, hey, lately I've been noticing some distance between us. How are you feeling about this friendship? I never really do that, but I would very quickly do that in romantic relationships.
0: yeah no uh, it's because it's more normalized we see it in movies mm -hmm. we see it in like all types of media we're like have these conversations with your partner but it's never like have this conversation with your friend
1: yeah yeah like i don't know In, in terms of just like asking our friends their love languages talking to our friends about you know like do you like this do you like to receive gifts do you like this like I feel like these are conversations we have maybe on the second, third date with some random person
0: that we might be romantically interested
1: in, but we might not have even asked our friend that.
0: Yeah. Um, And and it's, it's kind of crazy that like, these things are not spoken about typically. And I feel like the only way I was able to kind of prompt these conversations is through me having boundaries. And mm -hmm. that's typically where it, the conversation begins, but it's like, if the conversation was had, there would be no need for me to then kind of be like, hey, by the way, like, and you're kind of annoyed at this point, you know what I mean? Like, you could have like, mitigated that situation and approached it in a different way with like, less tension or defensiveness if it was just a normal conversation that you had prior to there being an issue, I guess. Yeah, there was something I heard.
1: I don't know what podcast I heard it on, but it was something about being more direct so that you can be less resentful. Oh, yeah. And that is what I'm trying to do this year. Like, that's my whole goal because I feel like I'm someone who... A friend will hurt me. Maybe it is someone who, like, every time they get into a relationship, they disappear and they just don't have time for me anymore. Um, I will just mute them. Like... I I, (laughs) 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 If it gets to a certain point and I feel like really hurt about like someone not investing in a friendship, I won't even come to them and be like, Hey, like this has really hurt me. I really mute them and just be hurt about it in silence. And these days I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I actually want to be more upfront with people because I kind of put it into practice with a scenario that was happening in a friendship, like at the end of last year, Mm -hmm. And not only did the issue get resolved, but, like, I felt closer to her afterwards.
0: Yes. Because (laughs) now you're having, like, because you have open and honest conversation. And, like, it's so funny because I'll be like, wow, communication. Who would have thought it was just a really amazing tool. But, like, I know that and I still find myself in... Similar situations where something is happening with a friend, and for whatever reason, the last thing I think of doing is just communicating with them. And then I eventually, after exhausting every other, I guess, option, which are just like being like weird and like muting them, essentially. <laughs> was, and then, like uh, you the know, two great options, <laughs> yeah. And then I end up just having a conversation, and everything is cleared up. I feel closer mm-hmm. to this person. I feel more connected to this person. I feel so much more just understood by them. And I, it's never, I've never done that where it's been like, oh, I really regret that because even in a situation where like, you know, having that conversation might lead to the end of that friendship, Mm -hmm. that was something that probably needed to happen. And, and I think having those conversations is a great way to gauge whether or not this friendship is something you want to continue investing in based on how this person handles you know, your feelings and if they're respectful of your feelings.
1: You're going to get clarity either way.
0: Exactly. And we love clarity. I love clarity. I know.
1: It's something that I'm really going to try this year because I think I have been the quietly resentful person probably my whole life and never really said anything because I'm definitely the like, oh, no worries, friend.
0: Like, I'm like, oh, no, and it's again, these these kind of like stereotypes that are put on us like you don't want to be the dramatic friend, the emotional Mm. friend, the needy friend, the like, everyone else is cool with this. Why do I feel upset by it? Like, and you start to feel like this is just like a me thing that I should be like embarrassed or like, you know what? Oh, not even embarrassed, but like, it's wrong for me to feel this way. So I just need to keep it to myself because no one else feels this way. But like. First of all, most likely other people share those feelings, and secondly, mm-hmm. like even if your feelings are just a you thing, that doesn't make them less important. You know, yeah,
1: like and it, and hopefully you have friends that can hear you out, and that you'll be able to
0: hear them out too. And and you know the cutting off. The friendship thing, I I think it's because of that TikTok where that lady was like, does the video where she was like, if you want to end a relationship, this is what you say. And she says like a very like, just like sterile, creepy, clinical like yeah, way. like of- HR. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was, re- <laughs> it was very creepy. Um, But I've definitely had those conversations before where it's like, the reason I end up going to the point of like, hey, listen, this is just what it is. I'm actually not interested in like having really a dialogue about this because I feel very confident is because in the past when I would bring anything up, the person was very unreceptive and, un- yeah. and, and that to me, like over time, I'm like, okay, clearly this person does not want to reflect on their behaviors and just wants to me to shut the fuck up. And so I don't want to carry on with this friendship because yeah it feels unproductive to even try to have a conversation. That's not the first thing I jump to, but I think, you know, it, it's, it's so sad though when it happens because you're like, wow, like I've shared so many good moments and memories with this person and there's always going to be like, you know, highlights of that friendship. But like, there's clearly a reason you don't want to be friends with this person anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, friendship breakups are terrible. They can sometimes be worse than like regular breakups, but I think... And I think when I mention like um, cutting off friend culture, it's not even once you're at the point where like you've tried, you've reached out to them and you've been like, hey, this is what's bothering me. And they're like, okay, this is just what I do. Like, what are you going to do about it? Because I think that's obviously not going to work. Yeah. Um, I think it's more like I do see those TikToks where people are like realizing that I protected my peace so much that I don't have anyone to invite to my
0: birthday day. Oh, yeah. I like, have seen like those. Things like that Yeah, where
1: I'm like, we do kind of live in a culture which encourages us to invest all of our time and efforts like inwards as like a self-improvement project constantly. And so I think sometimes that means that even if a friend is having a hard time, or even if a friend you're having a trouble with friend, it's like the automatic thing is like, no, I can't have negative energy around me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but The few times that I have felt that way, because I love Mm -hmm. to problem solve. I love, uh, Mm -hmm. if there's a problem, I want to solve it type bitch. But if I have felt that way, it's usually because I'm like, I know myself and I know Mm. that this person, their morals maybe don't align with mine. Like, it's something that I'm like, it's not an agree to disagree type thing. It's more so like, at my core, I have an issue with this. And like- I don't want that around me type of thing. And I Yeah, and I,
1: that's quite different then. Yeah,
0: but I think that no people kind of take it to an extreme where it's like at the first sign of anything they're like, "Well, fuck you." And I and I catch myself doing that because I'm just like, "I don't want to deal with this. Why is this happening? Like this this was yeah. unnecessary. None of this needed to happen, but it's also like you know, taking a step back and reflecting on, well, what have, what have I done to contribute to this problem that now exists? And like, what are some behaviors that I have shown that maybe would cause this person to feel this way or react this way? And I think it does kind of come back to, you know, the internal work, but like in a more like, in a way of like, you want to have better perspective of the situation rather than like, I need to just protect my peace. Like, you need to really critically kind of look at it and be like, okay, like, is the burden on this person? Is it on me? Like, you know what I mean? Just kind of taking the time to really think about it rather than just being like, well, I don't want to deal with this.
1: Especially because we do live amongst, like, hyper-individualism and the whole, like, I feel like friendships can become this like very transactional exchange today of oh, yeah. like, well, what am I getting out of this? Like, oh, they're draining me. They're doing this. They're doing that. And the reality is, is obviously you want your friends to make you feel good. And like, but there are going to be sometimes in your friendships where you go to their birthday party, even though you don't feel like it that day. Mm-hmm. Because like, actually, that's what being a friend is. Yes, <laughs> And sometimes I think we're really encouraged to... Focus inward so much that we've gotten to the point that we're not even being good friends
0: anymore. And another thing is, is like, okay, is let's say you're in a very shitty mood and you're mm-hmm. like, I feel like I don't want to go to my friend's birthday because like I feel shitty and like maybe mm-hmm. I'm a little mad at them for not knowing that I feel shitty or whatever, or some mm-hmm. crazy shit. But like, I feel like nine out of 10 times if I end up going, I just end up being in a better mood and feeling better versus like being like, well, I need to stay home and like protect my peace and I need to validate my emotions. And I need Mm -hmm. to like allow myself the space that I need. It's like, you could definitely do that. But also if you went to the thing, what would happen?
1: You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I think we all feel so much better when we're investing in like other people as well, not just ourselves, like communities and our friendships. And I think that like, it literally elevates your mood. Well, I know for me, for sure, like 100%. to do something for someone else, even if you don't want to do it or like your friends going through an annoying breakup and you're like, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. And like, there's one of those things, you know, that chicken where it's like, are you in the right headspace to be receiving this? <laughs> like, it's all very clinical. Um, yeah. And at a certain point, like, I think having a friend will mean that there'll be in your friendship there'll be some times where they're like maybe doing something that's annoying in terms of like talking about their shitty ex and that's just that's just what happens and also
0: it's like because I've definitely found myself you know being annoyed because someone is maybe complaining about something and Mm -hmm. whatever it is but it's like you have to also have empathy for people because even if you don't know what that experience feels like, you could try to like, put yourself in that position. Okay, well, how would I feel if these were circumstances that I was experiencing? Would I too be kind of, you know, ruminating on things for way too long? Like, yeah, probably. I love to sit there and just fucking complain about even the dumbest things. So it's like, it might just, your first reaction might be like, oh, this is annoying. But like, if you take the time to have empathy for your friends which you should it's like okay actually I don't know how much better they could be handling this and them complaining about it is them you know healing and obviously sometimes I think there is a fine line between like okay I'm not your therapist right but like to a certain degree, I think friends should be able to complain about things, especially like a breakup. Yeah. You know what Otherwise, I mean? Otherwise,
1: who else too? Like that is actually what we have friends for is to just like
0: talk through things. And it's no, not like a therapist, but like a friend. Like, it, it, And that's the thing. Like talking to a therapist and talking to a friend are two completely different conversations, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. Talking to a therapist is even less of a conversation and more of just like... Uh, I don't know, but like, I feel like, yeah. And it's like, also, I think the times that those kind of experiences feel annoying is when the person is not open to feedback or like not Mm -hmm. open to like hearing another perspective or opinion, then it does feel like, okay, well, you just want to complain about that. But if that's the case, then you, you should say that you don't want my opinion. Do you know what I mean? It's also like, that's fine. I don't have to, you know, but I think people, again, they, they still have this like people pleasing part of their mind that it's like, I don't want to tell them that I don't care about their opinions, but I just did this the other day where my friend was, I was talking about literally the intuition and like all of that shit. And I was like, mm-hmm. I feel this way. And I actually don't want to talk about it with you because I know how I feel and I'm not interested in another opinion. And that does sound mean as I'm saying, it, I'm like, it sounds like a bitchy thing to say, but like my friend knows me well enough to know that like, you're not saying that because you're like, I don't give a fuck about your opinions. You're saying that Mm -hmm. because you're like, I actually don't really feel like I need to have a conversation about this. I know that I feel this way. Yeah. And uh, if you share that or if you don't, that's fine with me. But like, I know that I feel that way.
1: I mean, that sounds like good communication. It sounds like you're practicing
0: (laughs) the more direct friend conversations already. I feel like it comes in in waves. Like it ebbs Mm -hmm. and flows. Like my... I I am a direct person. I love to advocate for myself. I love to advocate for others. I was literally a counselor and advocate for years. So like, mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan, but you get into your head so much sometimes. And that's what I was kind of, you know, how you're like, I want to work on uh this this year. I want to work on rebuilding that trust within myself because I think last year I found myself in a lot of situations where. Even though I knew I felt a certain way, I would have these conversations with friends who I respect and I love and I know that they never said anything with ill intention. They were just simply expressing, you know, their thoughts and their feelings Mm -hmm. and I allowed it to kind of take priority over my own feelings, which that's my fault. I did that, you know, but I found myself doing that a lot and I was like, okay, wait, I need to check myself because... You can value someone and respect someone, but also just because they think something or feel something doesn't mean you need to completely shift your thoughts. You know,
1: for sure. Like it's about uh, meeting each other where we, you know, where you're both at. It's not like one person
0: has to like completely change. Yeah, yeah. To the other person's. Um, but okay. What it? I feel like what steps have you been taking to kind of be more direct, if any? Yeah, I mean,
1: (laughs) what have I been taking? I feel like it's one of those ones for me where I think as well, like adjusting as well. I think New Zealand as well is very like, has kind of a reputation for being quite like polite, chill culture where it is very much like, oh, no worries. Like no one's really like speaking up about (laughs) what they're feeling or what they want. Um, and I think that I have some people around me now where I'm like, actually, I like the way in which you navigate the world. I feel like you're really direct. I feel like people know when they come to you, people know like how to move and what you want and what you're bringing to the table. And it's just like really nice because then, them like as a friend, you can come in and be like, well, like I'm down for that or I'm not, you know? And I think... For me, in seeing it through other people, I'm just picking up little bits where I'm like, oh, I want to be a little bit more like that in that scenario, or I want to be a little bit more like that in that scenario. Um, And I think now it's about finding a way to do it in my own way. Um, But I think even last year, having a conversation with my friend that was difficult, and it was literally me saying um, there'd been a scenario that... like that really hurt me. It was kind of about money, but not about money, uh, in the sense of like, you know, one person owing the other person something and then like not getting updates. And like, at the time I was like very financially stressed. Yeah. (laughs) So I was really stressed and hurt. And I think usually that would be something that I would just bottle up and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this to me. Um, I'm so hurt and just like not talk to them as much. But instead I was like, you know what? That's one way to do it. Instead, I'm going to actually directly address it and be like, Hey, this is, I know where you're at and I'm here to be a friend to you. This is also where I'm at. And like, this is how it's impacting me. And I'm really struggling because I love you. But like, this is really stressing me out. Um,
0: and it's honestly, like a scary conversation to have. Yeah, it is. Especially, I think, especially when it involves money. Yes. Like it, it's money is just one of those things that I feel like adds this layer of like, I don't want it to come off this way. And I mm-hmm. need to present it in a way that I'm making sure that it can't be interpreted as, do you know what I mean? Because it, yeah. it's, it's just such a touchy, weird subject that I think universally people are pretty uncomfortable about.
1: It's really hard, and especially uh I feel like in New York a lot of people come together in friend groups who have very different financial situations, mm-hmm. and then you're going out for dinner and and like some people are ordering five five drinks and like t- two meal and like you've purposely ordered just like a ten dollar yeah. meal and then now you're paying like a hundred dollars splitting the bill like I find those scenarios so hard, yeah, um, but I think I would rather and my friends would rather instead of me just sitting there and like walking away from that scenario, just feeling really hurt by it. Like, why not literally just be like, Hey, like
0: this I is just got I this do. one thing. Like, yeah, like it does not make sense. I am not your mom. Like, you know, yeah. like, or even just being like having honest conversations with
1: our friends about money. Um hundred percent. So that everyone knows where everyone's at and can be aware. Um, so I think for me, it's actually something I've been wanting to do for a long time. It's just now starting to like put it in practice. And I think I did at the end of last year. There hasn't really been anything that's come up so far in January. <laughs> you so like even a month,
0: unless you want to do something right now. Nora, I'm like, I'll, you can, I'll you call you out. Yeah. yeah, you're like, I'll fight you right the fuck now. But no, I feel like that is like a big deal to kind of, you know, especially something that sounds like it was bothering you for like an extended period of time to like, finally mm. like address it. And like, it, it, I feel like putting yourself in those situations, having these difficult conversations, it's never going to make those conversations like, oh, that's so fucking easy. And I'm actually excited about it. But it it does kind of with practice become easier and you're able to navigate those situations also I think in a more like timely manner rather than sitting on it for like an extended period of time, which I feel like that's where a lot of resentment comes from and just shitty feelings that like, again, you could mitigate by like addressing it earlier on, you know? Yeah. Cause then it's ruined a friendship that you
1: actually like hold dear. And mm-hmm. I think that scenario really helped me. I think also even in my relationship now, um, mm-hmm. I think he often reminds me that like, I have to tell him what I need, you know, because I think in the past, I have been someone who's very much like, this is what I want to happen in my head. Mm -hmm. But then if it doesn't happen, I'm kind of disappointed. Expectation management is tricky. But if I've never expressed that that's what I want, like, and I'm just moving through the world, hoping that everyone understands what I'm visualizing. Like, I'm like, I can't be doing this. Like, I really need to tell people what's important to me. And I hope that my friends do the same.
0: Exactly. Cause it's, it's the type of thing that you want other people to do with you. So it's like, well, then I should probably also be doing that, you know, like, yeah. and I think that I'm a direct person in the sense of Mm -hmm. I never assume anyone can read my mind. But again, I think I am a little too extreme about it. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the thing. I'm like, I think it's also like finding that balance because sometimes I will prematurely be like, oh, by the way, I don't feel comfortable with this. And it's like, Nora, nothing has happened. Calm down. Like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like, finding that healthy balance of like, yes, you should advocate for yourself. You should express your wants and your needs. But like, you know, uh, there's a time and place. And also like, it's it's definitely more of like an anxious thing for me where like, I'm like, well, I need to say something ASAP because I don't want that to happen. But it's like, nothing has even happened. So relax,
1: you know? I do know though that when friends talk to me about something where they'll be like, oh, this is really important to me. And I'll be like, oh, like if a friend is like, oh, if someone's late to something, I really interpret that as like extreme disrespect. I feel like I'm usually a pretty on time person anyway, but with that awareness in mind, I'm gonna make sure that like they don't, they know I don't disrespect them. Exactly. And, like, move accordingly, yes. you know. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things. It probably just gets easier with time. I feel like I'm really at the beginning of trying this, so hopefully. Hopefully it gets easier with time. I think I feel like I've been practicing it a lot in my romantic relationship. And now I'm like, let me take this to other relationships, because that's important, too.
0: It just seems like you're very self-aware. And I feel like being self-aware is kind of the most vital part of, you know, advocating for yourself. You know what I mean? Because like, that's kind of how you gauge it, I think. And it sounds like you're, you're doing it. I mean, hopefully, even when I talked
1: to my friend and had the hard conversation, she was like, oh my God, I'm so glad you came to me because I noticed you weren't texting me back. And she was like, I know that in these scenarios, you can often just like withdraw because she knows me as a person.
0: Yes, And
1: I'm like, actually, that's so unfair of me as well to withdraw and like make someone feel that stressed as well, just because I can't like handle something. (laughs) So yeah, I definitely feel like I know how I contribute to it as well like i don't think withdrawing is a helpful
0: yeah response. and like that's the thing it's like it's it's a self-awareness thing like okay i know that this is my kind of like phys- this is how i react to things normally i withdraw mm-hmm. but like understanding why you withdraw and then like taking the time to like figure out okay well what steps can i take to not do this in the future and yeah, it really is kind of like a practice that like over time the more you do it it becomes second nature to you and it becomes easier to like foster these open healthy relationships with friends, with partners regardless like you just have to kind of keep doing it and it's when you get comfortable with it and you're like, "Oh, I got this. Like I'm fine." That that's when I found myself not doing it anymore and I was mm. like, "I got I got too cocky about it, you know?" Yeah like and that's why it's like a constant thing you have to be kind of aware of and thinking of and yeah let things slide here and there that's fine but like e- to a certain degree it's like well that's how people start to i think not recognize or realize what you need because you're just letting so much shit slide like you know what i mean it's it's yeah. like it's like a you have to have a balance
1: I mean, we're going to be investing in and watering our relationships for our whole life. Like it's not, it's not one of those things that will ever be done. And I think we're always just going to learn what works best. And it's also not a one size fits all with every friend as well, because everyone's obviously different. So how things are going to be approached is going to be different. There's some friends who I've had to accept that like, maybe it's not even worth that conversation. And it's just, like, readjusting them in my mind and, like, where they fit into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to look differently for everyone. And honestly, I kind of love all this stuff. Like, I feel like I think about my relationships and my friendships a lot. Um, So I'm, like, very down to just, like, try and get better at this my whole life.
0: (laughs) Honestly, same. And I... I truly like, feel like this conversation is so, like for me, like I'm like, this is so relevant to me right now. But I think it's so relevant to most people because it is kind of this tricky thing and every relationship is so different and every friend and every person communicates in different ways. And it's like figuring it out. And I think over time, all it does is help you understand that person, help you understand yourself, have better, healthier relationships overall. And it's like, it's something worth investing in we're like yeah you can't lose it's it's yeah yeah
1: however much time we're all putting in i know in new york it's all like grind culture but however much time we're putting into like uh our work going to the gym for our physical bodies are this are that it's like our
0: relationships need to be up there too like they're so important so a thousand percent Like, I'm like, I agree with everything that Laura has ever said. And (laughs) I want that uh, documented. uh, (laughs) But thank you so much for joining me and having this really amazing conversation. It's uh, I'm like, this is so fun. If my laptop wasn't dying, I would keep going. But it is at 6%. And we are at the hour mark. But yeah, where can people like follow you? Where can they find your writing anything that you want to plug?
1: Um, I mean, Laura Pitcher on Instagram, and I guess from there, like, my articles are on there, um, my website and stuff, but... But no, thank
0: you for having me. Of course, this has been really, really fucking fun. And yeah, I'm going to have Laura's Instagram linked in the episode description as well as her website. And yeah, she's written for so many publications. Like, it's very fun reading your your work. I'm going to
1: update because it's clearly out of date.
0: I'm not a designer. (laughs) She's not a designer. (laughs) Uh, But as always, guys, don't forget to floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen. Don't be a fucking asshole. And I will talk to you next Sunday.